This sermon is brought to you by Buford Road Baptist Church. The speaker today is Pastor Tony Cahoot. Take your Bibles tonight and turn with me to the book of 1 Peter chapter 1. This has been a marvelous study for me, and I pray that it has been for you. This is an expository study in the book of 1 Peter, and uh, so much that we learn from this uh, wonderful apostle, the wonderful discipleship uh, of his ministry. I'm going to begin reading tonight in verse number 22. Uh, that will take us to verse number 23, where we left off last Wednesday night. So 1 Peter chapter 1, and we are coming to a close of this chapter, 25 verses, and uh, then we will uh, begin to pick back up in uh, chapter 2. But let's look at this tonight in 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse number 22. Seeing ye have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren, see that ye love one another with a pure heart fervently. And so now it launches us into verse number 23. This is a big subject, and uh, I want to read the first part of this. It says, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. You know, when I read these words of Peter, one of the things that stands out to me about him is a lot of his younger years, as we know him in the scriptures, there was a lot of immaturity about him. So, so many things that he, he was the kind of a person that just, manufactured trouble. He just couldn't get away from it. Uh, he just took pleasure in it. I mean, you know, you find him in in the boat on the Galilee in the storm, and uh, he's just really wanting to jump out there and walk with the Lord, and he gets himself in a ton of trouble. I'm reminded in the Garden of Gethsemane, I mean, he's taking a sword and he's just swinging it everywhere and cut off the right ear of Malchus. You, it, every time you turned around, he's getting himself in trouble. And the Lord is having to rebuke him and deal with him in personal and intimate ways. But when you take time to read these epistles, you can see how this man so greatly matured in the faith. He's not wielding swords in this place of his life and saying all kinds of haphazard things. He's not being rebuked here in this passage. Paul did one time, but in just it goes to show you that he hadn't arrived fully. But when you read this passage, being born again, 
not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. I want to take time to go back to John's gospel and read probably one of the greatest texts of this incredible saying of being born again. Most of you are well aware of the fact that this comes from the conversation that Jesus was having with a man called Nicodemus. And I want to pick up with verse number three, John chapter three, and beginning with verse number three, because Peter, what he is saying here in verse 23 of first Peter one, he talks about being born again. Jesus himself taught that. In John chapter 3, verse 3, Jesus answered, and I want to read verses 3 through 18 with you, so patiently follow along with me. Jesus answered and said unto him, talking about Nicodemus and this thing called the new birth. Verily, verily, I say unto thee, and I have taught you many times that whenever you find that double repetition in the words of Jesus, it is of utmost importance. And that's why he stresses that. It's sort of like, listen to me, listen to me. Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again. And that's just what Peter said. Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible. Jesus said, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. And marvel not that I said unto thee, Ye must be born again. The wind bloweth where it listeneth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh. Just today we had a young student in our high school that was in somewhat of a debate with another student. And the debate was on the existence of God. One of these children said, I don't believe in God because I can't see God. And the other young student said, well, do you believe in the wind? Oh, yes, I do. Well, you can't see the wind. I thought that was classic. That was an incredible answer coming from a young child. The wind bloweth where it listeneth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but cannot tell where it cometh and whether it goeth. So everyone that is born of the Spirit, Nicodemus answered and said unto him, How can these things be? Jesus answered and said unto him, Art thou a master of Israel and knoweth not these things? Verily, verily, I say unto thee, we speak that we do know and testify that we have seen and ye receive not our witness. If I have told you earthly things and ye believe not, how shall ye believe if I tell you of heavenly things? And no man hath ascended up to heaven, but he that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man which is in heaven. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up 
that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have eternal life for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life for God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world but that the world through him might be saved he that believeth on him is not condemned but he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. So when you go back to 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse number 23, Peter emphasizes this thing of being born again. It's the same message of Jesus. Nothing changed. Being born again means that we have received a divine new nature. We are not what we used to be. In fact, there's a classic scripture in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, and the apostle Paul said it so well. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, I emphasize this nearly 100% of the time when I preach funerals especially, because I take time to minister to the people that are here talking about this thing about being born again, but emphasizing uh, being in Christ and Paul said, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. And the way you get in Christ is to be born again. He is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. So when we are born again, we receive a new divine nature. And when that happens... God, through the Holy Spirit, imparts to us life that will never end. In fact, Jesus said this in John eleven twenty six. He said, And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Aren't you glad for that promise? Shall never die. A life that will never end. So here's what happens. When a person is born again, they receive a new divine nature. The Holy Spirit then indwells us. John 14, verse 17, the Bible says this, even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him, for he dwelleth within you. And here's the thing to remember. When we receive that new divine nature from being born again, being born in Christ, born into the family of God, getting that new nature, then the Holy Spirit immediately indwells us. I have taught you many times that there is a difference between being filled with the Spirit and being indwelt with the Spirit. When you are born again, this is what Peter's talking about. When you are born again, the Holy Spirit comes in. He indwells you. That's when our body becomes the temple of the Holy Spirit. He takes up residence in us. Being filled with the Spirit is something that we were talking about in the realms of sanctification. We need to be filled with the Spirit every day. If you get away from this Bible, you get away from your prayer life, you, you get away from talking to the Lord and having a daily routine with him, um, those are the days that you're going to find yourself 
on low fuel, so to speak, with being filled with the Spirit. You cannot be filled with the Spirit and have a distance in your fellowship with Him. It's impossible. So what happens is not when we get this new nature and we're born into the family of God, we're born again, the Holy Spirit at that point indwells us. And not only does he indwell us, but then he empowers us. And that's so important. There's a passage that says in Acts chapter 1, verse number 8, and I have been asked this question numerous times throughout my ministry is, so then, Pastor, what is the main purpose of the Holy Spirit? Well, one particular aspect is that he empowers us to be witnesses. This is the verse, Acts chapter 1, verse number 8. But ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Now, power for what? What, what do we need power for? The scripture's clear. You shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And this is what happens with the power. This is the purpose of the power. And you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. When it comes to this thing about being a witness, being salt and light, making a difference in the world, letting our light so shine that others may see, when it comes down to this thing about witnessing, you need the power of the Holy Spirit to do that. You cannot witness effectively. Oh, you can engage in debates, but you cannot witness effectively. Here's the thing. When you go sowing the seed, sowing the word, you need the Holy Spirit going before you because not everybody you talk to is going to welcome what you have to say. You'll, you'll find out that there's not a whole lot of people jumping up and down, waving you to come their way to preach Jesus to them. That's not the way that it works. Ever so often we have fish jumping in the boat, but that doesn't happen all the time. You need power. You go down here, Panetta, and you go down here on Jank Road, Brown Road, wherever you go, knocking on doors, you're going to need the power of the Holy Spirit. You take time to witness at work, and you're talking to an infidel, somebody that's an atheist, somebody that just is a blasphemer, you're going to need the power of the Holy Spirit to witness. And this is, this is the purpose of that power. And so when we are born again and we receive the new nature and we are indwelt with the Holy Spirit and he does empower us to witness, all of this being born again thing, this is what makes us joint heirs of Christ. And there's a passage in Romans chapter 8, 17 that says this, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with him, that we may also be or be also glorified together. I'm glad, and I think you can identify with this. Aren't you glad that being born again makes us part of God's royal family? We are, we are born into his family. 
being in Christ. And so let me give you some benefits of this thing. And we don't become born again because of give me, give me, give me God. That's not our attitude. We, we become born again because we realize that he sent his only begotten son to die on the cross for our sins and we couldn't get to heaven any other way. But I'm so thankful for all the benefits that are associated with this thing about being born again. I mean, you think about it just for a minute. Being born again not only means that when we die, we don't have to go to hell. That's, that's a great big hallelujah all in itself, that we don't have to die and go to hell. But being born again into the family of God when we die, not only are we delivered from hell, but it also means this, that we're never going to sin. When we die and when we go into the presence of God, we're not ever going to sin again. I mean, you have to think that through just for a minute because we're all sinners for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There's none righteous, no, not one. It doesn't only mean not dying and going to hell. It doesn't only mean never sinning again when we die, but it also means this, that in that grand eternal day of splendor, we're never going to get sick again. I spent all of my life, and I have spent all of my life, standing at the bedside of so many people here that if I, the building couldn't hold the people that have made the journey that I have stood at the bedside and prayed with. I've spent all my life walking the floors of these hospitals, going into nursing homes. And even right now, my dad is at, at a crossroad. That This day, the appointed day is for all of us if Jesus doesn't come first. The scripture says it's appointed unto men once to die and after that the judge. We all have an appointment. We don't welcome it. We don't say, Lord, hasten today. We don't, we're not chasing it, but it's there and it comes. But I'm glad to know because I have, I have spoon-fed my father for the last four days. I've held up water for him to sip and I'm thankful that one of these days there will never be any more sickness. Aren't you? You think about that just for a moment. But getting back to 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 23, look at this word and this incredible theme, this text of being born again. He said, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible. Look at this. Let me explain to you what this means just for a moment. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse number 52, Paul said, In a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. That's when we get our glorified body, the day of the rapture. Right now, our departed loved ones are truly in the presence of God. They are in heaven. The soul, the spirit is there. The scripture says in 2 Corinthians 5, 8, to be absent from the bodies and be present with the Lord. As soon as our loved ones in Christ, which we're talking about 
leaves this world in death, their soul, their spirit is ushered immediately into the presence of God. The body stays here on this earth and it will remain until the day of the rapture. Now, when the rapture takes place, according to this scripture right here, 1 Corinthians 15, verse number 52, we're going to be changed in a moment. And we're going to exchange this corruptible body for an incorruptible body. Peter's also telling us in this passage that the word of God, not only is the body going to be changed incorruptible, but he says this. He says the word of God is also incorruptible. Look at this. Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. Let's talk about the word of God just for a moment. John 1, 1 says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. And so God's word is always going to stand. God's word will stand forever for eternity. I'm going to ask some of you here in just a minute. We did this a few weeks ago. Whichever one of you would like to look up a scripture, stand and read it, I would appreciate that uh, if you would so be led to, to participate. But there is a scripture in Isaiah chapter 40, verse number 8, that says, The grass withereth and the flower fadeth, but the word of our God shall stand forever. That's exactly what Peter's talking about. The word of God will stand forever. He said, the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. Now I have wrote down several key passages about the word. A few years ago, I preached an entire series on the word. I was looking at that series today. But I want you to think about these scriptures. Now, beside this passage in the margin of your Bible, you might want to write these verses down. I'm going to give you the text. But let me ask you, would there be one who would be willing to read Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12? Who would like to do that? Hebrews 4, Sister Catherine, thank you. All right, I've got, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six verses. Six verses that... I want us to, to look at, and it's all revolving around the word. The word of God shall stand forever. So we have the first one, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, Sister Catherine. Who would look up 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17, Sister Vicki? 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. And I'm going to give you these scriptures again in just a minute if I'm going just a little bit too fast for you. All right, Psalms 119, 105. Sister Sharon, thank you. Psalms 119, 105. Brother Ha, how about James 122? James 122. All right. Who would look up for me? We have two more. Psalms 1830. Neil, Psalms 1830. All right. And Tanya, right over here, Brother Yuri, she's going to look up Matthew 24, 
verse 35. Matthew 24, verse 35. All right, let me give you the scriptures again. And uh, if you missed a reference, you can write it down in the margin of your Bible. I like this participation on Wednesday night. But listen now, the first one is going to be Hebrews 4.12, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 and 17. Psalms 119, 105, James 122, Psalms 18, verse 30, and Matthew 24, verse 35. So listen carefully now. All of these, and I could give you tons more, but when we come to a place like this in 1 Peter, where Peter is saying this, that the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. These scriptures that I'm going to give you right now are, are central. I, I believe that we could almost even call them cornerstones of this subject matter. So, Sister Catherine, let's start with you with Hebrews chapter 4 and verse number 12. Brother Uri, will find you with the microphone there. and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Thank you, sister. That's probably one of the most classic verses of scripture, one that you're probably more familiar of. And then now, Yuri, come down here, Second Timothy chapter 3. Verse 16 and 17 for Sister Vicki. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly washed unto all good works. Amen. Thank you, Sister. And now Psalms 119, 105. Ms. Sharon, you have that one? Psalms 119, verse 105. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Amen. Down here, Brother Uri, Brother Hobb, you have James 1, 22. Be ye doers of the word and not hearers only. Deceiving your own selves. All right, classic scripture. Now we have Psalms 18, verse 30. Brother Neil, that's your scripture. Psalms 18 and verse number 30. As for God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord is tried. He is a buckler to all those that trust in him. Amen. And then all the way around, Brother Uri, uh, to the wall area there. Sister Tanya has this one in Matthew chapter 24 and verse number 35. This will take us to the end of the study tonight. I love this participation. I love to hear your pages turning. I love to hear you stand. I love to hear you read. And this is, this is quite a blessing to me. If I'm the only one blessed through this, to God be the glory. Amen. Amen, Sister Tanya. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will be no means pass away. Amen. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. We go back now. Thank you all for standing and reading 
Let me read this one again, 1 Peter 1, 23, and we'll close. Being born again, not, isn't this amazing how so much can come out of one verse tonight? Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. And so we give God the praise for that. No matter what evil, wicked, sinful men can do and what this world will become, nothing can change the fact that God's word will stand forever. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. You listen to Pastor Tony Cahoot. For more information, visit our website at BufordRoadBaptistChurch.com.